Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the next episode of Tap Outs and Touchdowns. As always, it's your guy, Bully Rye, back at it again, wherever you may be, however you may be listening. Thanks for making me part of your day. Presented by Anchor Podcasts, now available on YouTube and every week on the Tobacco Road Sports Radio Network. Make sure you like and subscribe wherever it is that you're listening and leave a review to help others find the show. Quick reminder where you can find the show on social media, on Twitter at Tapouts and TDs, Facebook.com slash Tapouts and Touchdowns, and the email to the show, Tapouts and Touchdowns at gmail.com. Make sure you search for our YouTube channel as we have new content coming soon on that platform. Folks, uh, I don't know how to say it. No wrestling show this week. Uh, conflict of schedules. Uh, and life happens. So next week, as I promised last week, we will have a classic Batch of the Beach with uh, PJ, Steven, and I reviewing Bash, Bash at the Beach uh, 1995 featuring the main event. Hulk Hogan and Vader for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, again, it's been one of those weeks, man. We, you know, life happens. I'm sure there's times where you get busy and plans had to change and there was something you didn't get to. So... Hopefully you won't hold it against me. We've had a lot of wrestling content the last few weeks, uh, or the last few months for that matter. I mean, we've been going strong since January. Um, Honestly, I didn't expect to have a podcast for the first three months of the year. So the fact that we've been running wrestling shows all throughout uh, the the summer months, the spring months, etc. I hope you'll give us a little leeway here. Uh, for PJ, Steven, and I get back to it to, to review Bash at the Beach. But, uh, you know, we're going to do this week's pregame warm-up here uh, this week. And we're, we're going to talk a little pro wrestling. And by we, I mean I'm going to talk to you about the sort of uh, state of pro wrestling. Um, uh, we talked about it on the show that Vince McMahon retired a few weeks ago. And it's been a wild ride in WWE. A lot of returns from guys that might not necessarily have been the quote-unquote Vince guys. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but if you're listening to the show, uh, what will have aired on TV will have aired days, if not weeks ago. Uh, I was in SmackDown here in Greenville, South Carolina, when Karrion Cross made his return to SmackDown and attack Drew McIntyre. This past Monday, I'm not sure if... Anybody was really surprised. I can assure you that I was not. Um, Johnny Gargano returned to WWE and returned to Monday Night Raw. Um, Raw and SmackDown have quietly been putting on really good wrestling shows. Uh, I know there's a lot of wrestling fans who maybe got jaded at all of the sports entertainment that WWE likes to do. Um, but if you're not watching, man, you should be. I, it's, I don't know really how to explain it other than to say that, like, it's probably been some of the best weekly shows we've seen in years. And not just with WWE. I mean, the G1 Climax just happened. 
for New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I mean, AEW is continuing to put on on big shows now. AEW is a little surprising to me right now. They brought CM Punk back to unify the AEW World Championship against John Moxley. Uh, this recording will have happened after AEW Dynamite that took place on August 24th. John Moxley essentially squashed CM Punk for the world title. On top of that, you've got Thunder Rosa, who had to step away due to injury. So another title being vacated here in AEW. I think this makes every major title outside of maybe the tag team championships that had to have been vacated at this point so far. And probably within the last calendar year, uh, I remember when Sammy Guevara had to vacate the TNT championship. Um, and, and now obviously the world title that went to Moxley is the interim champion. And we don't know who the interim women's champion will be, but it feels like if you hold a title outside of the TBS title in AEW, that's more or less a curse for you and your health. I don't quite get what's going on in AEW regarding their the health of their talent. There are a lot of people going down with injury. And it's not like it's really inexplicable injuries. It's just a matter of the 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 rate in which they're going down like it's just it seems like one person after another uh we missed adam cole and the undisputed elite for some time we missed uh we missed brian danielson for some time so despite all of that aew has been quietly putting on great shows i love the angle with the acclaimed and the the gun club um, I, I love what they're doing with, I mean, just keeping making FTR look strong. It's just a matter of time before they put the AEW tag team titles on them. And then they're like essentially the, the 2022 version of the Ultimo Dragon as far as tag teams go. So, um, yeah, I mean, not much to the pregame warmup other than to say that there's a lot of stuff going on in professional wrestling that if you're not paying attention or if you stop watching for a while, now is about that time to come back because it's been a while since it's been cool to be a wrestling fan. I mean, let's be honest, even dating back to the late nineties when, when millennials, if you will, viewed pro wrestling as quote unquote cool. Um, it was mainstream, uh, it's still mainstream with professional athletes and, and a lot of actors for that matter, but it's still sort of taboo if you admit that you like pro wrestling. And after the, the Monday Night War, it sort of fell by the wayside and people became jaded to it again. Um, it made a resurgence, in my opinion, in the 20-teens. Um, late 20-teens, it started to fall off again. So... Um, I wouldn't go as far to say that pro wrestling is considered cool again. 
But for those diehard fans that love pro wrestling in the late 90s, maybe the early 2000s, for some of the older folks who love wrestling in the 80s, right now is arguably the new golden era for professional wrestling between accessibility to be able to finding what you want to watch on the internet, being able to stream what you want on your favorite app, being able to access all sorts of competition. There is so much pro wrestling out there that you have at the tip of your fingers that it's sort of created a new golden era in professional wrestling. And I think, again, if you stepped away, now may be the time for you to step back closer to professional wrestling. So hopefully you enjoyed this week's pregame warm-up. We're going to take a short break. We got a couple of divisions to break down in the NFL. I broke down four last week. It's going to be a much shorter show this week. We're going to break down the AFC and NFC East. Uh, we'll start off with the AFC in the first half, first and second quarter. And in the second half, we will go to the NFC East. So stay tuned. We'll be right back to break down some NFL divisions right here on Tap House and Touchdowns. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. And we're going to hop right in here to the first half. I spent an hour plus talking to myself, speaking to you about pro football last week. So I'm going to uh, I'm gonna try to make it a little quicker this week and get straight to the point. And with that being said, we're going to get into the AFC East preview for 2022. And we can't go into a prediction standpoint without going first into our view of the 2021 division. 2021 goes as follows. The Bills won the division uh, going 11-6. and six. The Patriots right behind them at 10-7. and seven, And the Dolphins right behind them at 9-8. and eight. The Jets rounding out the division at a lowly 4-13. Listen, I don't have much of a difference in this division Going into 2022, I've got the Bills winning the division at 14-3. and three. So I've given them a three more wins. Uh, listen, they're going all in. They got so close to the Super Bowl in both of the last two years. They went and signed Von Miller on defense. Uh, signed up Shaq Lawson to beef up that defensive line. An offense that was already explosive. Continues to prove to improve as Josh Allen uh, gets gets older and wiser. They drafted a, a pretty stud running back out of Georgia and James Cook. Um, I mean, listen, the Bills have become one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL. Stephon Diggs, wide receiver. You got Dawson Knox. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of a lot of playmakers on this team. The running backs. From an NFL standpoint, they get the job done. They establish the run. Maybe not so much fantasy perspective-wise, but this Bills team is built to last for a while. And that's why I've got them going 14-3, and winning the division here in 2022. 
Now, I mentioned last year the Patriots came in second place. The Dolphins finished third. I mentioned it a few weeks ago on this show. People don't need to sleep on the Dolphins. And I am not sleeping on the Dolphins is my predictions. I've got them finishing 10-7, and seven, finishing second in the division. They have back-to-back winning seasons despite the turmoil in the coaching staff. Uh, again, if you've been living under a rock, the Dolphins reportedly wanted to go after Deshaun Watson last year uh, and trade Tua Tagovailoa to the Houston Texans. However, uh, apparently Deshaun Watson cannot convince every complainant in his lawsuit to settle, and so Miami balked on it. But the former head coach of the Miami Dolphins, of course, whose name is drawing a blank, um, really wanted Deshaun Watson. Um, He, if I'm not mistaken, he accused the Dolphins after he was let go. He accused the Dolphins of uh, trying to force them to tank. Um, And on top of it, you've got a lot of front office turmoil. Uh, The Dolphins were found to have tampered with Tom Brady when he was already still under contract with another another team. Trying to bring in Tom Brady reportedly as a part owner and player at the time to Miami. Uh, So there's a lot of turmoil in both the front office and the coaching staff. Yet they they have gone back to back with winning seasons. Um, And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I, I, th- I want to say they haven't had too many losing seasons, if not like too many drastically losing seasons in the last decade or so. Um, but listen, there's reports out there that Tua Tagovailoa, the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, former Alabama Crimson Tide quarterback, um, again, if you've been living under a rock, he injured his hip in his final year in Alabama. And from what I've, I'm understanding, there are reports out there that he said that his hip has not felt as good prior to that injury as it does now. So you got to think a healthy Tua adds an explosive Tyreek Hill to that offense, along with former college teammate Jalen Waddell, who started to break out at the end of last season. I mean, this offense only scored 341 points. And still won nine games last year. Um, they're going to be sneaky good. They have a really good defense. They have really good offensive weapons on that roster. Miami Dolphins go 10-7. and seven. They finish second in that division. Uh, yeah, man, don't sleep on the Dolphins this year. Um, do not. Be, I, I know there's a lot of experts that are trying to, like, I guess, jump on the bandwagon. Um, I'll be honest. I haven't heard a lot of them say great things about the Dolphins and how good they're going to be. A lot of people still aren't sold on Tua. I'm telling you right now, Miami is going to not only be really good, they're going to be competitive in games that they lose. So look out for the Dolphins to finish second. At nine, at, it's 10-7 and seven in the AFC East. Uh, again, not much of a change. So last year, the Patriots went 10-7, and seven, the Dolphins went 9-8. and eight. I flip-flopped them this year. I've got the Dolphins at 10-7 and seven and the Patriots 9-8. and eight. Um not not that big of a difference here. Again, I've got the Patriots finishing third in the division, nine and eight. Mac Jones is said to be much improved over last year. Um, and it's going to be necessary considering that at one point last year, they won a game and Mac Jones only threw four passes. Um, I think that scares me about New England is the lack of, of – I don't want to say the lack of depth because they've got plenty of receivers. 
but it's the lack of number one receivers, maybe number two receiver. Um, and so because of that lack of offensive, I guess, name name brand, if you will, outside of Mac Jones, they I mean, they got a slew of running backs between Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson. They, they drafted a kid out of South Carolina and Kevin Harris. Their running game is set to be really good once again. But if you don't have anybody to throw the ball to on a consistent basis, how effective can your run game be if you can't if you don't have a pass game? Not to mention, if I'm not mistaken, uh, thanks to my my everyday job boss, uh, he informed me as a, as a diehard Patriots fan that he is that they also lost their best defensive backs in the offseason. Uh, so he's not very optimistic about how that defense is going to look. So. Um, again, the Patriots could finish lower than nine and eight, but I think that they're good enough. And it, there's, it's a Bill Belichick coach team. Let's be honest. They're going to, again, just like the Dolphins, they're going to be competitive in their losses. The Patriots will keep be competitive in every game. And even though I predicted them flip flop, they could finish right back where they finished last year. Um, but for right now, I'm choosing the Patriots to go third in the division at nine and eight. And the New York Jets, on the other hand, I know fourteen is four and thirteen is not a very good record in the NFL. Um, one of the lowest scoring teams in the league last year, they put up three hundred and ten points, gave up over five hundred on the season. Listen, the Jets are the Jets. I've got them finishing dead last in the division. I've got them going one and sixteen. It's really hard to lose that many games in the NFL. But I feel like there are a few teams in the NFL that could do it this year, and the Jets are one of them. They don't have a winning season since 2015. Zach Wilson's already dealing with a knee surgery. I believe it was a torn meniscus in preseason that he has had to have surgery on. And their backup is Joe Flacco. Now, there are some coaches in the league who still love Joe Flacco, think that he's going to be a starter somewhere. If you remember one of some of my early shows, you know exactly how I feel about Joe Flacco. So even if Joe Flacco has to start a few games for Zach Wilson to get healthy, um, I don't know if Joe Flacco can get them competitive in those first few games. Now, experts said that both New York teams, the Giants and Jets, both drafted really well. Uh, but listen, with a tough schedule, an even tougher division with the Bills, the Dolphins, the Patriots, I mean, I think the AFC East could quite easily be the second toughest division in the NFL behind the AFC West. I just don't see them getting out of the bottom of the division this year. And for that for that matter, the bottom of the NFL. Uh, sorry if you're a Jets fan listening to this. As a Detroit Lions fan, I feel your pain. I know I homered out and gave Detroit nine wins this year, but... Let's be honest, that could very easily turn to far fewer than, than nine wins. And the Jets could get far more than, than one win that I've got them going this year. Um, divisional games are always really hard to pick. So they could split the division this year or at least go, you know, uh, two and four against division opponents. So, again, don't take it personally. I'm not an expert. I'm just a fan. So, again, the Jets, I've got them finishing dead last, 1-16. and 16. 
Now, in this division, there are quite a few fantasy impact players out of the AFC East, so starting with the, the Buffalo Bills. I've already mentioned most of it. Quarterback Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. Their tight end, Dawson Knox, is a sneaky tight end pick because everybody likes to pick the sexy tight ends like Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller. For some reason, even Mark Andrews still gets thrown out there. Dawson Knox was a monster at times last season. Uh, considering, I, I want to say they 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 picked up a couple people in free agency and, and wide receivers, but between Dawson Knox and Stephon Diggs, you got Josh Allen throwing him the ball. Uh, plenty of opportunity to be had there. Now, I mentioned their running backs are better NFL running backs than fantasy running backs, but it's still worth keeping on keeping your eye on both Devin Singletary and Zach Moss and then paying attention to the rookie out of Georgia and James Cook because he very well could insert himself into that running back room and into some playtime this year, and he may be able to pass up. We've been looking for Zach Moss to break out for years. It has not happened. James Cook might be that guy that helps really establish a running game in Buffalo to help even open up that offense even more. Uh, so those are the guys to look out for in Buffalo. Uh, when it comes to Miami, obviously, again, mentioned some names. Tua Tagovailoa, Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill. Uh, another sneaky good tight end. Doesn't produce consistently. And if you remember my in my fantasy football preview show, you look for that consistency in points. Mike Jasicki, the tight end in Miami, can have weeks where he put out puts out really good output. But with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, I don't I see it being even less consistent than it has been in the past, but it also can have the op opposite reaction. If defenders are paying attention to Tyreek Hill as they should be, it's going to open up the field more for guys like Jalen Waddle, and it's going to open up the field for more guys like Mike Jacecki who might be needing that to be that check down option for Tua Tagovailoa. Um, it was interesting. I did see that they picked up two running backs that uh, spent last most of last year injured, and that's in former 49ers running back Raheem Mostert and not really a journeyman, but former New England Patriot and former uh, L.A. Ram Sony Michelle, two very highly talented running backs. And if they can stay healthy, that tandem, uh, not to mention uh, Sylvan Ahmed, I think that's the way you pronounce his name, he has shown in moments where he can be a really productive running back, not only in the NFL, but in fantasy football. So they've got running backs in that running back room that can put up some production for you. Um, obviously, Raheem Mostert looks like he may, may be the starter to start the season. Uh, at least that's what I would predict. He's going to be the guy that you want if you want a running back out of Miami. Um, but those are the names to look out for. Moving along here, uh, New England again. You're looking at Mac Jones. Again, not something I would somebody I would probably draft real high. You're probably looking at drafting Mac Jones maybe bottom eight rounds or so. There, I mean, there's if you're in a 10 or 12 team league, I'm sure there are 12 quarterbacks that you could take before you get to Mac Jones. Especially as I mentioned that the, the troubles they're gonna have passing the ball. But it's a name to look out for if you want to take a shot at it. Um, again, uh running backs. Uh, Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, I really like to see what Kevin Harris can do. If, if I know people are going to be listening to this and knowing that I'm a South Carolina fan, why is he homering out again on another Gamecock? He spent a lot of last year in college really banged up. 
We didn't really get to see Kevin Harris to his full potential last season. But if you remember two years ago, and, and you probably, if you're not a Gamecock fan, you probably don't. Two years ago, Kevin Harris led the SEC in rushing. The Gamecocks were a four-win football team. Listen to that again. The Gamecocks won four games, and Kevin Harris led the SEC in rushing. I don't. I remember the Ole Miss game that he played, where Ole Miss uh, basically just outscored. It. There was there were a couple times where. Ole Miss just hit really big passing plays, and you could see Lane Kiffin throwing up his his clipboard in the air in the middle of the game in excitement because our defense just couldn't stop Ole Miss's offense. But if I'm not mistaken, Kevin Harris had over 200 rushing yards in that game. Ole Miss couldn't stop Kevin Harris, and so if he's if he's gotten healthy and he can come and contribute, knowing how Bill Belichick likes to run his running backs. Kevin Harris is a sneaky good pick to maybe get in your last round, second to last round in your draft, and the on the off chance that he becomes that rookie running back that nobody's really talking about. So I really like the prospect of Kevin Harris blowing up in the system. Now, from a Jets standpoint, I've already mentioned um, not a not a fan of Zach Wilson, especially at the start of the season. When he gets fully healthy, he might be able to produce later in the year. They did go and trade for Corey Davis, uh, not not this past offseason, the offseason before. So they've got a receiver in that locker room. A uh, couple of running backs. People were really high on Michael Carter, as am I. They also went out and got Tevin Coleman in the offseason. So a couple of running backs. And listen, I'm not touching any of the Jets except for Michael Carter. But if you're desperate, and you need some players to fill up your roster, there are some guys on here who are very talented NFL players that may be serviceable for you in a bye week, um, in the off chance that they blow up, and I'm completely wrong about this team. So, yeah, a couple of names uh, in, in, in the New York Jets roster to, to look out for um, being the two running backs and then Corey Davis. Um, so again, just to recap the AFC East, I've got the Bills winning it at 14 and three, the Dolphins going 10 and seven, coming in second, the Patriots in third at nine and eight, and the Jets at one and 16. So if you got any disagreements, if you got, if you, if you want to really put it to me, uh, come find me on social media, on Twitter at Tapouts and TDs. Let me know what you think, but coming up next, we're gonna take a short break and we come back. We're going to break down the NFC East. Uh, probably one of my most controversial takes in the NFL season is coming up. So stay tuned to find out what I've got panning out for the NFC East when we come back right here on Tap House and Touchdowns. Established in 2008, One Stop Repairs in North Charleston, South Carolina is your one-stop shop for all your electronic repair needs. Specializing in cell phones, tablets, computers, laptops, and game consoles, one Stop Repairs offers reputable and quality service with the quickest turnaround time and most competitive prices in the Lowcountry. You can find them on Google with an exceptional 4.9 star rating or on Facebook or by searching One Stop Repairs. That's the number one, One Stop Repairs. Call today for a quote at 843-343-6310. That's the number one, One Stop Repairs.
All right, everybody, welcome back to the second half of the show. We're going to break down the NFC East. Without further ado, let's get right into it, shall we? I told you I was going to give you a short show, and I feel like I got long-winded in the first half. So let's let's try to wrap this up relatively quickly without missing any pertinent information. So again, without predicting, we have to review 2021 in the NFC East. Broke down last season as such, the Dallas Cowboys won the division at 12-5, and five, a whopping 530 points put up on the scoreboard across last season. The Eagles came in second place at 9-8. and eight. The Washington football team at the time, 7-10, and 10, and the Giants rounding out the division at 4-13. and 13. Um, Listen, I've only flopped two teams, and it's probably not the two teams that you're expecting, so let's get right into it. I've got the Cowboys winning the division with the exact same record at 12-5, and five. and that's going to be hard to do because they lost a key part of their offense in trading away Amari Cooper to the Cleveland Browns. And they don't have a single healthy wide receiver on that roster who scored a touchdown for the Cowboys last season. Um, I feel like they're going to get healthy. They're going to put it together. And I really just believe in Dak Prescott that much that I feel like they're going to be able to get back to that 12-5 and mark. I also think that it's time for Zeke to have a bounce-back season. He hasn't been really good in the last couple of years, um, especially when it comes to the fact that there's no Amari Cooper. Um, I'm drawing a blank on on the other wide receiver, not C.D. Lamb. Um, there's another wide receiver that, that got hurt last year. So, and then you got Dalton Schultz at tight end. Like there's there's some weapons on that offense, but they're going to have to rely more heavily on that run game if their best receivers are going to be missing considerable time throughout the season. But I still like the Cowboys at 12 and five. I just have that much faith in Dak Prescott, and I don't know what else to say about it. Now, here's probably one of the most controversial, most boldest predictions that I've got for this season. The second place team I have in the NFC East, I am taking the New York Giants. Last year, they scored 258 points while giving up 416 throughout the NFL season, finishing 4-13. I've got them improving to 10-7 and seven this year. Uh, listen, Last year, the last couple of years, the injury bug bit them like a bed bug that you could not get out of your house. I don't think they played a single game last season with every single wide receiver on that roster healthy, including newly acquired wide, wide receiver Kenny Galladay. You also had uh, Daniel Jones miss time last year. You also had... Saquon Barkley coming off an ACL injury the year prior. I think they can stay healthy this season and finally put it together. I don't think 10 and 7 is too much to ask. Um, I don't hate Daniel Jones like a lot of people do. It's hard when you're throwing to basically scout team wide receivers for the last two years. And I think they can put it together. I think their defense is good enough that they're going to be able to put a 10-7 and seven season together and finish second in that division. Now, formerly the Washington football team, the Washington Commanders got themselves a new team this year, and they also got themselves a new quarterback. Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, has retired. They were going with a quarterback that, that had really a really good, feel-good vibes 
Uh, but they decided to go and trade for Carson Wentz, who has essentially become a journeyman himself, starting his career off getting drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, spending a year in Indianapolis. Now he finds himself in Washington. He was a great quarterback before he got hurt. The year that the, the Eagles went to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl behind Nick Foles, he was a starting quarterback for the majority of that year, and he was having a Pro Bowl season leading to his injury. I like Carson Wentz more than most. I'm not drafting him for my fantasy team, but I think he's going to be serviceable enough in Washington to get the ball to his weapons on that offense that we'll get into the fantasy impact players. Um, I've got him going 7-10, and 10, so the exact same record from last season. Um, but again, I think the parity in the NFL continues to improve year by year. And I think they're going to be competitive even in all 10 of their losses. Uh, so I've got the commanders once again, going seven and 10 this season. And w- which leaves last but not least the Philadelphia Eagles who went nine and eight last year. I've got them going five and 12. That's only a four game drop off. But in my opinion, I feel like they overachieved last season. Um, they did get some help in on defense uh, in signing defensive tackle Jordan Davis, defensive back Jordan Brad. I'm sorry, James Bradbury, um, and they also traded for wide receiver AJ Brown from the Tennessee Titans. Uh, an offense. Listen, their offense blew up with the drafting of former Heisman wide receiver Devontae Smith. I mentioned with the Patriots in the in the first half that they've got enough running backs to establish that run game. The Bills are looking for that established run game. I think the Eagles lack a consistent run game enough that is going to be detrimental to their passing game. And that's where I feel like they're going to have a drop-off this season. I don't think they can sustain a, a solid run game year in and year out. I think uh, Miles, and I can't say his, his his last name, the running back in, in Philadelphia, Miles Sanders out of Penn State, has not stayed healthy for an entire season since being drafted. Uh, so I just, whatever reason it is, I just don't feel confident in the Philadelphia Eagles this year, which is why I've got them rounding out the NFC East at 5 and Twelve. Let's look at some fantasy impact players out of the NFC East, starting with Dallas. I mentioned already Dak Prescott, Pro Bowl quarterback. Um, Zeke is a guy who used to be a top three to top five pick. I don't think he's at that point anymore. But if you've got a pick towards the end of your first round, maybe uh, middle of the second round, if you can get Zeke at that point, I don't think it's going to be necessarily a bad thing. But I'm sure you're going to be weary because he hasn't had a great season really in three, four years. Uh, but it's another name to look at. Again, if once he gets healthy, C.D. Lamb, Noah Mari Cooper, Michael Gallup was the name that I was thinking of a minute ago who got hurt last season. Uh, I feel like this is going to be a, a C.D. Lamb breakout year without Amari Cooper there. Um, and then their tight end, Dalton Schultz, picked up a lot of slack last year when others weren't producing. I love Dalton Schultz in this offense, um, and I think he's going to be a big, big-time tight end that you can probably get a sneaky maybe eight to nine eight to nine round 
uh, pick out of, if not maybe even later in your draft. Uh, so love Dalton Schultz here. Moving to the Giants once again, I mentioned Saquon Barkley dealt with the I wouldn't call it a preseason, dealt with an ACL injury in 2020, was never, never looked right in 2021. Still a name to look at. Once again, another one of those top five to top ten names. If you can get him for the value, I don't see him getting out of the second round. Um, but if you can get the value for him, you could do worse than Saquon in the first two rounds. Um, you've got, again, Kenny Galladay on uh, in that receiving core. That's, I mean, that's those are the, really the, the two names that stand out. I mean, there's there's guys on that team, but but no no names really other stand out. Again, you can talk Daniel Jones, but he, I mean, and he's 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 got legs. He's got really deceptive, quick legs. Um, and considering I've got them ten and seven, you would think that I have more fantasy producers to speak about with the New York Giants, but I just don't. I just think they're going to be good. They're going to spread the ball around, and there's going to be two uh, impact guys on that offense, and that's in Saquon and Kenny Galladay. Uh, now, there are plenty of guys in, in Washington that you can talk about. You know, we mentioned Carson Wentz is there. Again, not going to touch him, but he's got one of the best wide receivers in football in Terry McLaurin. Uh, he's got a great tight end in Logan Thomas. And I mentioned, uh, I mentioned, I keep mentioning running game here. Between Antonio Gibson, a converted wide receiver into a running back in the NFL, and a pass-catching running back in J.D. McKissick, they've got weapons around Carson Wentz to be successful and to be competitive. And so those are the guys that you want to look out for there. And again, the Eagles, despite despite my, my having them go 5-12, and 12, uh, there's some names to look out for. Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Garter at tight end. Um, especially with uh, Zach Ertz no longer being in Philadelphia. He was traded uh, midseason last year. Um, there's there's weapons, again. Um, but I feel like last year was sort of fluky for the Eagles, and I'm probably going to get shut up with that. And, and again, if you got some uh, got some disagreements, facebook.com slash tapouts and touchdowns, let me know how you feel. We're going to take a quick break, and we are going to end the show in – the overtime segment. And I'll be honest, I'm doing this on the fly. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about in the overtime segment. So stay tuned. Find out what it is that I've got in store for overtime right here on Tap House and Touchdowns. All right, everybody, welcome back, and welcome to Overtime on Tap Outs and Touchdowns. Your guy, Bully Rye, here. Um, I'll be honest, I wanted to get the show out this week, uh, as I promised, and I've done the show on the fly outside of my preparation with my with my predictions. Um, my overtime, we're going to talk some college football here. Believe it or not, this the show should be airing August 25th, um, or it should at least be be that week prior to the college football season start. Um, believe it or not, week zero is here. And there are some great matchups to look out for. Uh, Saturday, August 27th, Nebraska versus Northwestern in Dublin, Ireland at 1230 on Fox. 
Northwestern versus Nebraska in Dublin, Ireland. I know last year Nebraska beat the tar out of Northwestern, but the fact that you're going to get a game in a college football game in the country of Ireland is a pretty unique thing to have. Um, a lot of games slated uh, going down the list here. I'm not going to name every single game, um, but it just shows that college football is here. You got. Idaho State at UNLV at 3.30 on the CBS Sports Network. UConn at Utah State at 4 p.m. on FS1. Uh, Wyoming, Illinois, 4 p.m. on the Big Ten Network. Florida State plays this weekend, 5 p.m. against Duquesne on the ACC Network. You get to see Charlotte, Florida Atlantic at 7 p.m. North Carolina opens up their their college football season against Florida A&M, 8.15 on the ACC Network. Um... Listen, it's hard to call this the game that you want to watch. But the final game on week zero is a game at Hawaii, 10.30 p.m. on the CBS Sports Network. Miami hosting Vanderbilt out of the SEC. Um, If you haven't been paying attention to SEC media days, Vanderbilt's new head coach says that he's there to build a championship team. There was one vote for Vanderbilt to win the SEC this year. Uh, it was sort of laughed at. I'm curious to see what kind of football team Vanderbilt is going to put on the field, considering how atrocious they've been the last four to five years. Um, I mean, listen, they're the, the bottom dwellers of the SEC East, and that's coming from a South Carolina fan. Um, you know, so, but the fact of the matter is that a team from a small town and not really a small town, they're in Nashville, but a team in based in Nashville, Tennessee is going to get to go all the way out West past the continental United States into the state of Hawaii and play a football game to open their college football season. It's exciting for those players that may not have ever gotten that chance to travel to Hawaii, uh, without this opportunity. So, uh, again, the the action starts off at 12 uh, with Austin P at Western Kentucky. Um, and then, obviously, the game in Devlin, Ireland with Nebraska Northwestern. But it ends Vanderbilt at Hawaii at 10.30 p.m. CBS Sports Network. Maybe take a nap in the middle of the day. Maybe you're not a Florida State fan. You can take a nap at 5, wake up at 9, and catch that Vanderbilt-Hawaii game and really kick off college football. Now, I know I was only going to talk about about this, the slate of week zero games. I'm not going to make predictions of these games. What I will do is let you all know that I plan on setting up a, a basically a, a pick 'em on ESPN, a pigskin pick 'em, where you can go and pick against me on ESPN. Look for my social media pages. I'll be posting a link so that you can come join. Uh, a special prize for the winner. It's not a monetary win, um, but I will. I will elaborate on what the winner throughout the season will get uh, for for beating me and when it comes to picking football games. So pay, stay tuned for my social media for that. Again, with life happening like it does, uh, sometimes things sort of slip, slip through the cracks, but I will be setting that up here, and it will be ready for week one. Man, having said all that, I suggest you go and seek out the video of the preview of the new LED boards at Williams-Brice Stadium. I'm going to homer out here. 
we got new LED lights in the stadium. The first time they've replaced the lights in my lifetime. We there's a lot of football stadiums that do these light shows uh, to sort of get the fans hyped up. There are a couple of preview videos that are out that make me extremely happy. Even being in the upper deck on the on the west side at Williams Bryce uh, next Saturday, I am stoked. For South Carolina football to be here. I am stoked for college football to be here. Right around the corner, I am stoked for both NFL football and fantasy football. I've got three drafts in the next two weeks. I'm doing my main league. I'm doing a work league. And then I offered to do a league for uh, Polly, Derek Polly, and Polly's Pick'ems. Uh, so go out and look for Polly's Pick'ems podcast where he picks football games all around the country. Uh, you can get his podcast wherever uh, you get your podcasts. Uh, that being said, that's all I've got for the show this week. Like I said, I wanted to try to make it short and sweet. I'm not sure how long this has gone, but I appreciate you putting up with me for yet another week of football talk. And remember, stay tuned next week. PJ Steven and I will be back, I promise, with Bash at the Beach WCW 1995, Vader Hogan for the WCW World Title, and I'll be breaking down two more divisions if not yeah two more divisions that's all i got left in pro football to break down so two more episodes coming next week uh, appreciate once again you bearing with me and, and having the patience to to wait on these new wrestling episodes so once again for tap outs and touchdowns thank you for joining me this week it's your guy bully rye and i'll be around